0: Hey, gang, it's John. Thanks for listening to another episode of Deep Dive. This is a super fun one. So we brought back the legendary producer Clive Langer to talk about madness. Who else? Of course. So I broke a little bit of a rule here. Not completely. So I I purposely never seek out anyone to come back on and talk about a greatest hits album or best of or anything like that. But this is a little different. In 1983, after Madness hit big in the States with Our House, the label made a compilation album self-titled And put it out for the American market so they could get a better feel of what Madness was all about. That album, which was huge for me when I was like 10 years old, 11 years old, is what Clive and I are going to talk about. And I thought that would be a really fun idea because we get to cherry pick songs from the whole Madness catalog. But not necessarily go through all the biggest hits, you know. So he shares stories about how those songs came to be, what they're really about. One of the songs on this album is House of Fun. There's also It Must Be Love. But House of Fun, I finally learned what House of Fun is all about. That one alone has a really interesting story. So anyway, we talk about madness. I love madness. We get a little bit more from Clive Langer. I love him too. Hope you guys enjoy this. First and foremost, how are you uh, keeping yourself busy these days with everything that's going on? Um, Just mainly family things and social things and um
1: i actually did a little painting this morning so it's kind of it forced me to i mean we you know uh, i went to art college i mean that's where we started deaf school and so i I was supposed to be uh, some sort of artist
0: you know Uh so i'm trying to find out what kind of artist i am (laughs) Um, now (laughs) oh that's great So have you, I mean, if you went to art school, have you always dabbled in painting on the side all along? Yeah, because, I mean, at school I had to do art uh, right up to A-level, which is the the highest
1: Uh you can do. And um, I much preferred the the
0: art room to the physics laboratory. (laughs) No No. kidding. No kidding. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fun. Okay, well, good. Um, Family okay? I mean... uh, Everything. Yeah, I'm home alone at the moment.
1: They've gone to France, uh, oh. even though there's kind of a quarantine situation when they get back. But my son sells mid-century furniture, and he oh. goes over to France a lot to buy it. So the whole Brexit thing is could be a problem, but uh, his livelihood. But yeah. Anyway, they've gone. They've gone okay. in a big van. My wife's gone, and my granddaughter, and uh, they're on a, a little adventure in oh. Chartres
0: today. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so I'm home alone. Good. Okay. Well, um, I uh, as I mentioned before, I thought it would be fun to, first of all, if we were going to have you back on, we had to talk about a Madness album. I know this seems to maybe some people like I'm cheating, but I, I if this is not so much a Greatest Hits album as it was a compilation put out in 1983 in the States to capitalize on the success of Our House. It's not yeah. made up specifically of hits. It's more uh, cherry-picked songs from their whole catalog up to that point, to kind of uh, you know show the American market what Madness was all about. I always yeah. thought it did a really great job. I had this, it, I had this album when I was a kid. It was major for me. I mean, it, I like most Americans got as a young. I think I was ten or eleven. Got turned on to yeah. Madness with Our House, and I've um, yeah. been a fan ever since. So I thought it'd be fun to um, to talk about this one. I think it, I meant to look when it came out. I want to say October of 93. I'm not 100% sure on that. Oh, or 83. 83. Yep, 83. Yep. And uh, I think it only reached as high as like 192 in the American charts. Yeah. yeah. But one thing that's kind of interesting, and I think you know this, Madness in the States had, I think, only two top 40 hits. But in yep. Great Britain, there's at least 20, if not 30. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, madness are a kind of phenomena, aren't they? You know, on the West Coast with the Scar Kids, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they've got a special following over there. But in fact, when they last went over, they played Colosseum or something. and really? They sold it out. They were, they were supposed to be going this summer and they, they sold out every venue. So there, There's a, a cult yeah. following. So they're in an interesting position and and these days they can actually probably make more money out of touring America than they did in those days.
0: I'm sure. And I know they don't come out here very often or if they do, it's maybe like a show in LA and a show in New York or something. But um, if they were to come more often, I think they would sell out, you know, not gigantic venues, but a couple thousand. I mean, there's a, you know, they're well loved over here. They're in a good position. Yeah. I have been trying to get one of them to come on the show for a long time because I really, they have, a, it seems like a lot of extracurricular business interests now, right? Isn't there like a Madness beer and like yeah. uh, Mad Stock Cons, You know, yeah. uh, it's they, uh, all well, of these uh, other things now. Yeah. Now
1: they do a weekend uh, for three days. It's not Mad Stock anymore. It's called, I don't know, Madness Weekend. Uh, or something and okay. uh, House of Fun it's
0: called ah, House of Fun that makes sense okay
1: and they they put on three days worth of entertainment they play for two nights one night doing all their hits one night doing all their new material or something different or one uh-huh. album you know featuring one album uh-huh. and they have uh, loads of different acts and funfair rides and whatever you know, and it's their their festival and uh yeah, and they all oh, they serve is madness beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: great. Oh, that's great. Um,
1: they, yeah, but there's, there's like a madness pinball machine, madness fruit machines, you know. <laughs> uh, and I think it, it's actually my manager became their manager. Oh. He's quite on, entrepreneurial, <laughs> Hugh Gadsden, and, Awkward, uh, that name.
0: and he, he likes having a bit of fun as well. That's great. Wow, yeah, these guys are—they're uh, an institution over there. Now, I'm curious: Do they? Um, was this compilation one of those kind of uh, label-created cash grabs, or was the band consulted at all in what went uh, on this?
1: And... I mean, they they moved from Sire, didn't they, to Geffen? So Geffen would would have wanted to give it, you know, given it a push, uh, like in they would have wanted to re. Brand, I suppose, madness. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that was the thinking behind it. We didn't have it over here, so yeah, it was kind of it's like fine, you know. It's like the Beatles did that, and the, you know that over in the states, where they didn't do it here. I I think the group were kind of okay about the American record company having the last say. You know?
0: Okay, because it's very um, specifically not. It's very specifically does not include a lot of the kind of silly cartoony stuff. There's no baggy trousers. There's no riding in my yeah. car. You know, there's no one step beyond. In fact, I don't know that you would listen to this and even think ska necessarily, even though, you know, Madness is one yeah. of the key ska bands. But I feel like it, at this point, maybe they were moving away from ska or... Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I've just read the... Um, it's a book called, just come out
1: called uh, Before We Was We. Hmm. And it's the band talking about their lives before madness. Oh, and uh, so I just read it again, and um, basically they they wanted to get away in a way from just being a ska band, yeah, you know, like a two two tone band, but they didn't want to lose it. Right. But when they released My Girl, I think it's their third single in in Britain, it was a pop song, you know, yeah. and when it got when they kind of then sort of started revving up their pop hits they they booked down their audience and it's like young girls as opposed to like hard skinheads. so they were a pop band really uh, that played a bit of ska and they, they, they still
0: are I suppose yeah that makes sense that makes sense yeah. I've always really liked the album cover I know that I don't know if there was if they had any say in this I'm a big believer in color theory and the way you know my we all respond Viscerally and emotionally to colors, and I just love that it's each letter of their name is in a different bright, shiny color, and the the green background. All seven of them in a in a billiards triangle, you know, looking like they're gonna. Anyway, it's just it's a perfect as to a ten or eleven year old who's hearing these fun songs on the radio. It's the perfect image comparatively to the rise and fall, which. Um, was the yeah. album that was that are, many of these songs are picked from, and was the big one in England at the time, which has this very brown, you know, almost dour kind of album cover. They're, they're getting grown up. Yeah. You know, they 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 were getting arty.
1: I mean, it's a great cover, I think, The Rise and Fall. Yeah. Um, but it, it's where the, here they were developing year by year.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: you you couldn't have made Our House two years earlier, or you know, and you couldn't have wouldn't have released one step beyond two years later. True, you know, good point. It was it was a bit it was steps like um moving towards something.
0: Yeah.
1: move uh, I suppose rising forward was almost like a kind of peak of well, you know, our house and um it must be love and stuff. They, they a peak of perfection. Um not perfection, of uh um, sophistication.
0: Ah, so we're good moving word. Yeah.
1: towards uh, you know a, a more sophisticated way of writing songs and imagining them. And yeah. especially when well, I was as well, you know, trying to the, the production became much more elaborate and mm. focused on um, you know, details and we were competing with like Trevor Horn records. Yeah, time. yeah. They're, they're very clever, very clever. So we were getting kind of clever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could see <laughs> and, that.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it kind of continued to mad, not mad, but by that point, my arson had left the band, mm-hmm. and so it was a different feel. About yeah, that,
0: I, think. I could see that. Okay, we'll get into some of these things later, and I have I have thoughts about some uh, of the specific albums.
1: Answer the, uh, so the question about the cover. I don't think they had much to do with that cover.
0: Okay. Yeah. But, but
1: obviously, it worked for you. It as did. A Ten or eleven year old. Yeah. Right. And and it's very in your
0: face. Yeah. 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 I loved it. Um, okay, <clears throat> so we'll go with track one, Our House. I mean, this is the reason for the compilation, as I mentioned. It reached number seven in the U.S. I think it was number three in Great Britain.
2: Father wears his Sunday best. Mother's time, she needs a rest. The kids are playing up downstairs. Sister's sighing in her sleep. Brother's got his name to keep, he can't hang around Our house, in the middle of our street Our house, in the middle of our Our house, It has a crowd There's always something happening and it's usually quite loud Our mum, she's so house proud Nothing ever slows her down and a mess is not allowed kiss. She's the one going to miss in lots
0: of It was taken from the Rise and Fall album. One of the things that I was most curious about is um, the addition, as you were talking about a second ago, competing with people like Trevor Horn, the addition of strings. There's a lot of strings on a lot of these songs. That, again, you know, you wouldn't, the band that did One Step Beyond is probably not thinking of putting strings or an orchestra on their albums, but they are here. And I'm wondering, is that, are the lovely, beautiful strings in a song like this? Is that an idea that the band comes to you with? Or is this something that you Um, and Alan are thinking about? No, yeah, I mean, it was
1: probably something I was thinking of. And um, we did put strings on Night Boat, which was on the first. Album, but it's on were this of-
0: one too. we that one comes up, oh, all right. Bit. Well,
1: yeah. the, the um, I said to him, Can you put some Egyptian strings mm. on this track? The arranger at that time for Nightboat, and he put some gypsy strings on, <laughs> so they actually they're kind of quite far back in the mix because uh-huh. they weren't exactly what we were looking, you know, at like Cairo, not Eastern Europe, uh-huh. uh huh. But, but, um, yeah, I mean, by this point strings were being used quite widely probably and we wanted to get them right and do them you know and almost lead the way and so we got david bedford and, and he worked really well with us so i could explain what i wanted but then he'd come back with something that was miles better
0: ah uh, okay yeah it's uh, i mean it's beautiful the bed the sound bed at the you know that uh, the infrastructure of this song is so gorgeous, and I wondered while you guys were creating it, you know, our is re- is the record label coming to you saying, "Okay, this is the thing that we're gonna take to America, that we're gonna really try and break through there," or could it have been anything, and the band's just watching it from afar, you know?
1: Well, we knew, we knew it. Oh, you know, it all, you know, sounded like a single. Yeah. Right away. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um we had
0: there were bits we had to
1: remove from it because the arrangement was a bit complicated so there was one middle eight we just lost and i think that yeah. was probably dave robinson from stiff who said you know we don't need that bit yeah and it was like oh you, you when you're in the studio you can't sell sometimes and when you you know so he he comes in with fresh ears and uh just says, well that, that bit can go you know?
0: <laughs> so it goes so yeah were was, they telling you, know, you like this is the with, song with, we're gonna go to america with yeah Yeah,
1: and and we just worked on it, worked on it. And um, actually, if you listen to the chorus, the higher voice
0: is me. Really? I'd like to let everyone know that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I can do it anymore. (laughs) That's great. I didn't know that. Okay, let me add. One thing I wanted to, I've written down specifically who writes all these songs, because between the seven of them, it's not always the same guy or same pair of people. And in this case, it's guitarist Chris Foreman. And then yeah. Chaz Smash, and I mean, from a from a business perspective, were Madness one of those bands that split everything equally seven ways, yeah. or if you
1: want, well, equally like- seven of them would get fifty percent, and then the writers would get fifty percent of the fifth. They would get twenty five percent each. Okay. Okay. So so they'd also get their share of the seven as well.
0: Oh, okay uh, okay you know uh, so
1: it's very fair really ah. fair and it's also correct because songs like our house um you know it, they were written but they maybe weren't the songs that they ended up being as a you know as a record and mm-hmm. uh, arrangements with it and everyone's different parts i mean the guitar part's really good you know Keyboards are really good, and that—that's Mike, and it's one of the ones, one of the poppiest ones. And he didn't write, and obviously, you know, Sub and Carl do their best, yeah, to lead vocals. So, so it's um, a very fair way to uh, divide your publishing. Okay, but it was quite strange for that combination to come up with something so strong. I, I actually played it at a, at a wedding with Sub about uh, eighteen months ago. I had to play the guitar and I was like dreading it. I was like, oh God, it's so complicated, do you know? The and uh, you work it out, it's the same chord sequence all the way through, through the verse, through the chorus. It's
0: really simple. <laughs> nice. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. You and Suggs at a wedding playing our house. That's, I, I I need to crash these weddings. That sounds awesome.
1: The only prevalent was it was in Italy
0: oh well okay still for you it's the same as yeah <laughs> i'll just hide in a big trunk you can carry me around okay. i uh no in this state well everywhere really uh with in the last few weeks there's been a go-go's documentary that came yeah, out on showtime actually, over here I saw, yeah i saw how of yeah it's really good, yeah. and it talks a lot about them opening f- for Madness on Madness's tour, yeah. and a lot of inner band romances and stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, are you? Do you um, remember this? I was yes, I do remember it because I was third
1: on the bill with uh-huh. the boxes, oh, in sure. the boxes. So I was on the tour with them. I think I think they'd come on after me, and we all got on really well. And yeah, I mean didn't get involved in the romancing, but it was, you know, everyone really liked each other. That's wild.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay.
1: There's a hotel room every night.
0: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, man. Oh, to be a rock star, that would be just the best.
1: No one felt like a rock star, but it was just fun. Yeah, that's
0: true. That's true. Okay. Track two is Tomorrow's Just Another Day. This one is also, yeah, and this one's also from the rise and fall. It's uh, written again by Chaz Smash and Mike Barson, and I'm curious now. Chaz, my understanding is that Chaz became sort of like a like a hype man. I, I now I've never seen Madness live, obviously, because they don't come over here very often, so I don't know exactly what his role is. It sounds from the research I did like he's a little bit like what you know, Bez might have been for the Happy Mondays or Paul Rutherford and uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Kind of like a dancer.
1: Yeah, but um, he developed into a lot more, but he's uh, actually sadly not with the band anymore. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, So, yeah, Yeah. so if you did go to see him, he might, you know, (laughs) he might be there. Yeah. Um, But he was, you know, he he was jumping on the stage right at the beginning. Yeah. just dancing and he's like you couldn't take your eyes off him and it's like and he's going hey you don't watch that you know yeah um and that's the memorable part of the song almost and then um, sure they were a bit kind of wary of having another you know, member who's they didn't choose i mean he he's their friend but he keeps jumping on the stage and um he's good you know he's, yeah i think his parents are like Irish dancers and he can move you know like huh. and uh, then um, they, they, you know, officially got him in for the second album. I mean, he was on the back of the cover for the first album, but um, he, he was always around. Okay. And then you know, I think Dave Robinson from Steve said, Look, you know, boy, this, good, this guy is part of your group. Whether like you like it or not, <laughs> you know. And then he was in. I used to work,
0: you know, enjoy working with him, okay. because he came in from a different angle, but. He was quite boisterous. Ah, uh, and did it? Why did he eventually leave?
1: Um, because the bad, bad attitude, I think.
0: Okay, okay. For,
1: for the rest of the band, like, dressing room attitude didn't wasn't
0: working after for years or whatever. Okay. So yeah. n- you saying this, now I'm real, I'm piecing it together. Those images, especially er- of early madness with the, with the arms kind of in the fists and that sort of dancing. That was Chaz yeah. that was bringing that to the band. It was
1: a mixed, yeah, it, that was his, if you look at the back of the front, first album, you'll see his shapes. But the front of the first album is Mike Barson's shape. Oh, okay. You know, the, the nutty train. Yeah. They're all like, yeah, you know that's iconic. And um, look at the back and see Carl's move, and then like you know a dancer's move. Yeah, you know. But uh-huh. he said he did kind of look at. Uh, he was into martial arts as uh-huh. well as uh, you know Fred Astaire and huh. it so was, there it was, it it was, it was it was jerky, you know. Yeah, a, a bit. So it kind of it fitted in with the kind of Devo thing. And yes, that's it. You know yeah
0: yeah um, okay and
1: everyone was copying it
0: yeah well and he uh must be a great songwriter because he these first two tracks are both fantastic and he had a hand in both of them yeah no he's good and he's he's got a song album uh, that came out a couple of years ago that's really oh, good i didn't yeah. know that i'll check it out yeah. okay yeah now this one uh tomorrow's just another day uh kicks off with is that a harmonica and if it is, is it a real yeah. harmonica, or is it like yeah, a yeah, synth yeah. harmonica? Well, or t- it like- no, it's a real one. It's Mike Barson. Okay, okay. He's good at
1: things like that. I mean, he's he's got an ear. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And there's some whistling, you know, in the in the uh, that sort of instrumental section in the middle. And again, yeah. going back, are these the little flourishes that you and Alan come up with, or you, or is it you know when the band's coming to you with ideas so they're saying you know what i really think needs i
1: think in the, in this case um it would have been them coming okay. up with ideas but it, it's give and take, you know it's whatever it's like yeah. in the studio it's like if someone's got an idea and it we'll put it down and then whether we like it or not uh, we'll we'll listen to it
0: okay and if you if just keep time. yeah keep trying things and listening back well, if and if you like it
1: yeah, I mean, basically, you know, harmonica sounds great. Keep. Yeah. You know, we know we've got an intro, you know, yeah. it's like whistling in the middle. Great. Keep it. But the song, I mean, I keep thinking about that song is that Elvis Costello covers it.
0: Oh, um, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. yeah, His version's really good. And they, he, and Madness played, and it's more jazzy, it's uh-huh. like, you know, just cooler. It was a B-side in, in Britain.
0: I had no idea. I'm going to go listen for that. That's great. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we were all kind of mixed up at that time as well because I was supporting Madness and I was supporting Elvis and Elvis and I, you know, could write Berlin and it was sure. all like um, a period of uh, you know he likes Madness and he's produced a special. Thing. Yeah. You know, and and you go to a party and everyone's there. Like that.
0: Man, what days, what day! Oh my gosh, you've had a life, Clive. I, uh, I'm so envious. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, you've, you're one of my musical heroes, and you've worked with a bunch of my musical heroes, and this is that that's just amazing to me. Okay, track three. It must be love. This did hit, I believe, number thirty-three. I think in the states.
2: so much words. Bless you and bless me. Bless
0: it me. is a beautiful, beautiful love song. It was written and and uh, recorded originally by Labby, Labby Sifri. Sifri. And yeah, so Labby Sifri. it was a big hit. In was the, it in the okay? 60s. Because that's yeah. the thing, I had. I always knew it was a cover, but I had never really looked up who Labby was until getting ready to talk to you. His original version is gorgeous, and it's just him yeah. on an acoustic guitar. It is beautiful. So, you, and then you guys make it this other very, all, equally as beautiful thing, and it's, I feel like over time, especially in the States, those who know madness know that this is like one of the best love songs they're not cheesy love songs it's a different kind of love yeah. but it's it's a celebratory love song that um, stands the test of time now what made the guys choose this song from labby well it wasn't the guys I think it was Mike ah, okay
1: uh, because Mike Barson has learned his craft from learning popular Songs mm. uh, from the 60s mainly. I and mean, if he hears the song he likes, you know, a Motown song or Donnie Hathaway or whatever, you know, uh, he'll learn it. You know, he learned that and then he instigated the arrangement. Well, I know we perfected it, but, you know, and I'd exaggerate the back, you know, yeah. i put in the strings going blomp, blomp, blomp because I, yes. it reminded me of an old reggae record and yes. strings always used to go blomp, blomp, blomp. So, you know, we, we were involved, but he instigated the whole feel um arrangement with, with the band at that point, but he it was Mike who would have worked the song out. And okay. I think Bed you know, drums and bass that had a big say in, in the arrangement as well. And um Dave Robinson heard it when they, when they were on tour and told Alan and I to uh Jump on a train and go to Leeds or somewhere where there was a studio in a front room, and um, yeah, the band were off on Sunday, so they're uh, going for you know six hours on it—the uh, only day off they've got. Right. Anyway, what, what we got that front room studio in Leeds was like a demo of what mm. we were going to do. So
0: then we went into other studios, like the best studio in London, George Martin Studio, and did it properly. Okay okay this song was a single a standalone single it wasn't didn't appear on an album or anything there's um a marimba happening in there again is yeah. that a mike barson decision as he's arranging yeah,
1: okay um, probably or you know that's the sort of thing that he would say let's put a marimba on or i'd say Mike, double it with a marimba uh, he, it's probably him you know yeah but it's the sort of process you know it's part of our process of recording so sure how can we make a you know we, we've used a piano on so many tracks now and how can we make the piano sound different it's not like we've got a synth and a sampler and a drummer, right. where, you know we've got to do it real we'll double a piano with a marimba or we'll stick drawing pins in this round uh-huh. you know like and make the hammers like hit the strings a bit harder and then like, the studio didn't notice, Uh (laughs) so um, it was all about experimenting to get the best sound out of the keyboards. Uh, A lot of the time doubling, doubling octaves, you know, hitting it quite hard with one finger and doing another octave the same.
0: Uh, I mean, his piano playing really is quite extraordinary. It is, it is. I was going to save that part for uh, one of the other songs because you can tell a mike well you can you can tell a mike song often because it's so piano dominant and he's fantastic it's um anyway i'm gonna save that for a different song but i there are covers of this song out there also from people like jeff tweedy of wilco paolo nutini and this i think if was the follow-up single in the states to our house and so uh but then i think that was kind of it I mean, it was, if I remember right, House of Fun may have come after that in the States. and uh, English. Yeah, English. very English, very English. Yeah. And, I mean,
1: um, it must be Love and Our House are kind of uh, universal. Yes, you know.
0: they are. I mean, I
1: remember them being on top of the pots and, uh, in England, and uh, they were touring America at the time, and it was going up the American chart, and they, they had these kids they'd filmed and they're going our house in the middle of the Bronx. Our oh. house, you know, like, and, and that's what we were sent from, you know, high madness in America. And, uh-huh. what, what's this? You know, and that's what the British people saw. And someone
0: singing about our house in the Bronx. Huh? Yeah. Well, it's uh you're hitting, you're hitting, that's what it's like hitting America, I guess. Okay. Track four, Primrose Hill. This is also off of uh, the rise and fall. Written by Chris Foreman, and this one, uh, Suggs and Chris Foreman wrote this. One thing I, I hadn't, well, I had, I kind of noticed the rise and fall is kind of, is one of those albums that is in the legacy with the kinks preservation society and uh boy, blurs boy. Pa- park life of just a snapshot of British life at that time. And yeah. one of the, like our house tomorrow's just another day, Primrose Hill, all these songs suggest very deep nostalgia. You know, and I'm wondering when you created, when you guys worked on Rise and Fall, it's a little bit of a concept album in that way. There's a theme there. Was that the idea all along? We're going to speak to, Uh, you know, the nostalgia of old England right now?
1: Well, not as much as when we did Norton Fulgate many decades later. But -hmm. I mean, London was just on everyone's mind. You know, if Sub's is doing a song about London, then Carl will do a song about London and it's bouncing around. Primrose Hill was very close to where we all lived and were brought up. I just love the intro. Yeah.
0: And,
1: you know, um kids in the playground and was well, like the rise and fall and that they're getting confused. But anyway. Well it's the yeah, man looking out it, the I window. Mean, I, I think I think we all we, we all, everyone looked up to the kinks. Yeah. Everyone was kind of happy The someone said, Oh, it sounds like the kinks, you go, Well, good.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's uh, this those three albums: Park Life, Village Green Preservation Society, and Rise and Fall are all very much well of a of a lineage, you know, of speaking to British life at that time. And this Primrose yeah. Hill is so there's that bittersweet nostalgia of a man looking out his window at you know up at Primrose Hill, and there's children playing, as you were mentioning, and watching the world yeah. go by. And but it's but there's also an element of sadness. It sounds like he's ordering in his groceries and his food. He may not go out much. And I wondered what you know, kind of adds a layer of almost sadness to it all. But you know, they took it upon themselves to speak to that snapshot of life for those people at that yeah. moment, and it's a very I think, uh, it's a deep thing. Actually, play. has when um, he probably writes lyrics, there's quite a lot of pathos in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for
1: one reason or another, you'd have to speak to him. But yes, I think he he, he does that, and he points out everyday things like a bit of vanilla and ribby,
0: kind of. Things, you know. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Okay. Number five track five is shut up off of seven.
2: At least I think so I'm as honest as the day is long The longer the daylight, the less I do wrong Now pass the blame and don't blame me
0: Now, going back to albums with themes, something that I hadn't necessarily noticed before, and I don't know that it's for the entire album, but the songs picked from Seven, the big singles and everything, Seven seems to speak to this idea of just like modern life is crashing down on me, you know, cardiac arrest, you know, about the guy who's working too hard and album songs like Shut Up. It just, it seems like the daily grind, I've got to go to work, I've, Br- yeah. British life. I got to take the bus. I got to wear my yeah, bowler yeah. hat. It's so much. I'm so sick of it. That seems to be sort of a theme for seven. Was that night? Was that the idea too, or am I way overthinking this?
1: No, uh, you're, you're observing stuff that wasn't planned. Hmm. You know. Uh, so, um, but when you look at, you know, again, because I didn't write the songs. Yeah, um, I can't answer all those questions. I can talk about how we made the record, or you know, or what they told me. Um, but it was just, you know, after embarrassment and everything. I mean, you're talking about daily life, and that, yeah. that's what they did. Okay, and I could talk specifics if you ask about one song, and you know.
0: Okay, we'll, but, we'll get there.
1: Yeah, but yeah, the uh, overview wasn't planned.
0: Okay. It just uh, seems to be a theme with the songs pulled from Seven for this album, and from Rise and Fall. So there's um in the yeah, because tr- oh go ahead songs as well. What's yeah, that? I mean, <clears throat> they, they might be you know be, I think they were picked
1: as the strongest songs
0: mm, probably.
1: So <clears throat> so some of that poignancy, um made the songs you know more important. I mean. There are madness songs that have been written that don't say anything, but the, the, the great ones yeah. say a lot.
0: Yeah, know? they do. I will tell a story. The, when I was, when when I, I remember going to the record store with my dad, and my we came from a, I, I grew up very religious, and uh, my parents weren't always super hardcore, but once in a while they would start getting, they would start feeling like they needed to be more hardcore than they probably were. And I remember being in the record store with my dad and him and me pulling out albums that I wanted to buy and him finding reasons why I shouldn't own it. And he wouldn't buy me this record because the song was called Shut Up. That was too, you know, that was too much. <laughs> and uh, God, yeah. I know. What happened, guys, for that? I know. And I remember at the time, there was a Cool in the Gang album that had Joanna on it. And I can't remember the name of the album now, Tonight or something. And it was white and it had a big heart on it. It was, you know, very beautiful and very safe. And that, my dad was like, why don't you get this? I'll buy you this Cool in the Gang album. And I did like the song Joanna, so I was tempted, you know, but I really wanted madness, but he wouldn't let me have it because of Shut Up. So eventually... I ordered uh, from Columbia House one of those like thirteen records for a penny thing, and yeah. uh, it was in there. So that's how I got my hand on hands on madness eventually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, funny, funny. Yeah. So um, yeah. Well, shut, shut up. Um, what's it
1: all about? I don't even know really. I mean, I know about every section of it, and I remember getting them to go one, two, three, four, you uh-huh. know, like all that, and being very. Um, i remember being really involved in the writing of the chorus okay okay Um, so when 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 i go to a madness gig and i see the audience like one two two you know everyone joins in and it's like i think oh i did that yeah nice that's true yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah it's uh in the tradition of songs perfect that, that's what I mean these little elements of pixie dust that make a song even better it's kind of in the tradition of songs by uh, new order in that it doesn't say shut up in the song it's just called that and there's um, yeah cardiac arrest is like that as well another song that doesn't say the name of the title in there anyway and subject matter is, yeah, yeah, subject matter that's it and uh, this one was also written by Suggs and for Chris Foreman and so Chris yeah you know he he's written what five, four of the first five tracks and a lot of them are so he must have been a formidable songwriting presence back then yeah to be honest
1: i always thought mike wrote the hits so when they were coming out mm. of other places it's like um Carl's song you know michael kane or things like that we yeah. were having hits with that and um i was working on the songs in equally you know i wouldn't prioritize so, well if i thought they were good but i would always expect mike to come up with a big one
0: mm. um, interesting um yeah that, that was just inside me you know but he was yeah. he was the boss he is the boss you know, is was, he that was one uh, of my questions what's the hierarchy mike is at the top and then Suggs is kind of below him yeah okay
1: yeah yeah these days and um they try and they're pretty communist you know uh-huh they, they try and all be part of it, but Good. yeah, Suggs is obviously the voice of uh-huh. the band and he does a lot of the work for the band as far as promotion. Okay. And, you know, things like that. And Carl's gone, so, but I always feel like it's Mike's. You know, okay. he started it, um, he left it as well. Yeah. And then he came back, and
0: he, he's just uh, quite a strong tours. yeah i could see that we should mention too woody on drums and mark bedford on bass they're key members as well but they don't write they didn't write any of the songs on this album any anyway so they won't come up at all but um are they songwriters in general do they contribute on other things
1: yeah well recently on albums woody's been writing a lot okay and because he was he joined after madness he joined a band called voice of the beehive Oh right! Um, oh, I forgot about um, that. He, yeah, I love them. Yeah, They've been he on the show. Some of their stuff, and then yeah, he writes. He likes to write, but you know, he can write a pop song. Yes, yeah. You know, and and Mark doesn't write much, uh, but he's got a, um, he's a voice in you know everyone that they
0: they all have a voice in the yeah. running of the band. I could see that. I completely forgot yeah. about Woody and Voice of the Beehive. I've had those girls on here. They're great and um yeah i completely forgot he was a part of that okay yeah all right track six house of fun this also was uh, a standalone single in the uk it wasn't on one of the albums prior to this Lee Thompson, the saxophone player, and Mike Barson. This one, of all the songs on the album, it does have that sort of carnival feel to it that, um, is, that so many yeah. Madness songs well, do have.
1: Do you know what it's all
0: about? Well, I, I read a story that this was originally called <laughs> Chemist Facade and didn't have a chorus, right. and Dave Robinson yeah. from Stiff said you need to have a chorus and so Mike wrote one real quick, and you guys just Like, kind of cut it into the song, right?
1: I think it was me, Mike, and Suggs. Okay. sat around the piano. Alan went off to a studio to copy the drums, because we hadn't done it to a click. Uh, Copy the drums from either side of the chorus, so um, they would be at the same tempo when when we slotted in what we'd write as a chorus. So over the week, we said to Dave Robinson on a Friday evening, you know, come in... Sunday night or Monday morning, we'll have a chorus in there. So we, yeah, you know, we went under piano and it was like "Welcome to the House of Fun." Uh, but basically, it's quite a funny song because it, it's about condoms. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's
0: what I wondered. Okay.
1: So it was always funny, and you know, "Welcome to the House of Fun," and it's quite obvious once you know that when you look at the, the video and everything, but. It was a fun weekend it was putting putting the whole thing together. I mean, Mike put the melody of what the chorus was going to be down, and then Sugg sang it. I mean, had backing vocals and everything. And that's that, that. We kept the piano in there because that's quite an Abba effect, you know. Uh-huh. So like the band abber, you know, play the melody with a piano behind the vocal, and it jumps out. And um, the only problem was when we cut the tape up and put. The choruses in in the places we thought they should be there was no w because the w came before the beat
0: uh-huh.
1: so it it came in as welcome to the so we had to then record W. <laughs> so you know that was um,
0: an interesting thing. That That's was probably incredible. like sunday Sunday afternoon the w- went in. <laughs> That's amazing okay you saying the condoms make so much sense now i understand what the references to party hats are right yeah <laughs> now yeah, i get it <laughs> yeah god dear <laughs> oh i don't know how i All missed that before years, imagine if you'd known him. imagine if your dad had known him. i know <laughs> he wouldn't have let that'd be even worse you know <laughs> he, he he instinctively knew <laughs> oh man i mean i knew it was a song obviously it's a song about a teenager coming of age he's just turned whatever and he wants to i always thought maybe the house of fun was like a strip club or i don't know like a you know a porno store or something like that i don't know it was actually more naive it was a chemist got it pharmacy yeah that is classic oh my gosh i loved it and the video was great now, who are we supposed to know who Joe and Miss Clay are? Are those famous British people or are they just names thrown in there? Just names. Just okay. Names. Okay. Wow. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, you'd have to ask Lee. Okay. A classic. Wow. I, I, uh, I've learned so much. That is great. Uh, okay. Track seven is Nightboat to Cairo. This is off one step beyond. This is Barson and Suggs. Now, from what I understand, Nightboat is slang for gyro, which is slang for unemployment. Is this, am I way overthinking this? This song has something to do with being unemployed or getting an unemployment check? I've never heard that before. Oh, Um, I can't remember where I I saw that. but I think Suggs was just, must have
1: read something or seen a film or something and Just the, I think it was just the romance of going to. Okay. Cairo, I mean, he was 17 at that point. But again, you'll have to ask him. I mean, I can ask him, but.
0: um, uh, It's not important. I can't remember where I read that, but I. I, Yeah, I've never heard that
1: before.
0: Okay, okay. One thing, now I I did want to read a quote that he said about this song because I completely agree. And it says, Miles of introduction. A couple of verses then miles of instrumental no chorus and the title isn't even mentioned apart from me shouting it at the beginning it's an atmosphere with great music and words of course it is a song but not a traditional one and uh, i remember thinking all of those things when uh, i got this record this apparently is the song they close a lot of shows with in the uk is that right okay yeah, because, I mean, Lee can just come out and go... Yes! Yes. And everyone goes crazy and just jumps up and down. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It uh, yeah, But yeah, it is an odd one. And when you're creating it, are you guys just thinking, let's just see how long we can go? We can make this introduction last? The introduction, no, uh, that was as was, you know, it's just
1: foghorn of a, of a boat. Yeah. Um, it was the outro that I was experimenting with.
0: and That's uh, why I said
1: I've got strings in, you know, and you can hear them quietly, but you d- I just didn't want it to be boring at mm, the end. Um, yeah. I suppose I'm not a, much of a dancer, so I wasn't thinking i would be jumping dancing. I just thought um, I'm listening, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it was that first album was like, you know, it's a matter of catching a young band. and I yeah. didn't realise what we we were going to catch would become so successful but I knew it was really fresh and different and yeah. they, they, they 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 the band themselves had so much character um, and it comes out in the music. Yeah so it's very strong. Yeah very simple. So yeah first album stuff you know
0: okay, okay next up is Rise and Fall. This is another uh, Chris Foreman Suggs collaboration. Again, going back, it's more nostalgia. You know, being here again, um, yeah. I can recall forgotten moments, the rise and fall. Touching on that bittersweet nostalgia, I guess, of like a, you know, a London that's going away. Morrissey uh, sings about these things all the time, too. What do you think? Is it a modernization of london or of england in general that people are feel sort of conflicted about there's this for instance my wife and i were there on vacation about three years ago and we're touring tower of london i used to live there so i i've been there before she hadn't but you
1: used to live
0: in the Tower of london no (laughs) 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 Uh, i lived in cambridge i lived in england i should say uh briefly for a few months right after high school So we're touring, you know, Tower of London, and it's this old medieval fortress in the middle of a very modern city with, like, glass skyscrapers everywhere. And you see firsthand this dichotomy of the old and the new at odds with each other in the middle of a giant city. And um, I wondered if that so many artists sing about that conflict that it must be a big deal to so many of them, and these guys, I'm wondering, feel those things too. Is that what's at the root of of nostalgia of songs like Rise and Fall? Maybe yeah. that's too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but the uh, the i the conflict the conflicting feelings of the old and the new in terms of the in terms of England and London are those yeah, common yeah, yeah. issues. I mean,
1: yeah. Yes. I mean, obviously. Britain, there's more old reviews in America. Yeah. But, um, you know, you could talk about it in you know, pre camp and post and Yeah. But, you know, but I, but like I said, I, I don't know what was in their minds whenever it was. Okay. I was more involved in, in making it sound good. Okay. And to me, that, it was really strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, you know, enjoyed making it.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh,
1: not, sorry, I can't remember. Oh, that's
0: okay. That's okay. I, that's what that's what I try to do, you know, get into the get under the skin find out what's going on. Um sometimes yeah. there's something there, sometimes there's not. Track 9 is Blue Skinned Beast and this was written by yeah. Lee. I know where that is.
2: I can play you to your loved ones, but I can promise no return to a show shot god forsaken where the
0: Okay, yeah, what is a blue-skinned beast? Tell me about this. Uh, Margaret Coppola. Ah, got it. Blue, Tory, you know, blue-skinned,
1: thick-skinned beast. Got it. She fucked up so much for, for, for the last um, you know, it's like Elvis wrote that song about tramping in the dirt, which is buried in. And, you know, it was just it was theme at the time when anti capture was in the spring the country was divided and um, maybe that's what you know you know uh it's like the rise and fall i mean things are divided the yeah uh, it's to, uh, anywhere where there is um, that side and that side yeah um, and uh at beast in was you yeah, know having a go
0: at navi okay another popular trope or uh you know um, yeah. go-to in terms uh, around those days the english exactly beat dave yeah. wakeling sing you know they they all yeah. feel these things very the pogues. yep very the pokes yeah yep. now there's some really interesting hard rock guitar under in the in the sound bed of this song do you remember and, and do you remember you know tw- turning a knob to make the guitar a little harder a little louder a little more prominent well, I, in the mix. I would always
1: do that really because i'm a good because well i'm a guitarist yeah and uh i don't like heavy metal but i like distorted guitars or, you know i like adrian beeler um,
0: sure you know
1: so maybe it's more of a kind of bowie kind of
0: i could see that um, yeah look
1: at it yeah and um let, let's shock the fuckers, you know so, yeah
0: that's me. it no that's uh, fine we,
1: you know with the sound and this is it's an aggressive song, you know, but it worked it was like an arrangement exactly. mm-hmm. they it's something that they did live for many years because it was quite different for them yeah the whole the, the feel of the rhythm yeah, yeah, I think that it, it's a
0: soundscape song like you know like a bowl thing yeah. And I could see a crowd going crazy with those claps. You know, three cheers for the blue skin beast and everyone claps, hip, hip, you know? I could see a crowd going crazy for that. That's a good one. Okay, next up is uh, Cardiac Arrest. Is another Chris Foreman and uh, Chaz Smash song.
2: Was nearly done. It's getting so hard these days, not nearly so much fun. It's my mother's through the office, his telephone desk and chair. He's been happy with the company, they've treated him real fair. Think of seven letters, begin and end in C. Like a big American car, but misspelled with a D. I wish this bus to get a move on, driver's taking his time. I just don't know I'll be late, oh dear, what will the boss say? Pull yourself together now, don't Don't get in a state. Don't you worry, there's no hurry. It's a lovely day, could all be going your way. Take the dog's advice, let's up enjoy your life. Listen to what they say, it's not a game they play.
0: They were on fire, and this one came off seven again. Going back to this idea, well, I'll save that because the next song comes off seven too. But it's uh, about you know a guy in his bowler hat waiting for the bus, getting on the bus, yeah. and um, the daily grind yeah, of life. But taking yeah. a moment, and so begins another lovely day. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's gray day.
0: Gray day. That's right. That's right. But there is a stop and smell the roses aspect of this song about it being a lovely day or take time out for a lovely yeah. day. Almost this idea of, you know, don't get too bogged down in the daily grind, look for the good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: well, it was, it was, um, yeah, it's very descriptive, isn't it? You know, yeah. The sound of the record tells you, it's the, the lyric. Yeah. It, uh, good point. And, yes. You know, the, the tempo is a. The of it, you know uh-huh. it's gonna collapse so it felt good i don't think it's the best melodic song that madness have ever done but it works as a piece
0: yeah yeah it did I, I
1: probably wouldn't wouldn't have released it as a single personally. But, you know.
0: well it was a single in the uk right
1: i i'm trying to remember was it? I don't know. I yeah, feel like yeah, most of these songs probably I were. It, I think yeah. I think it was. Okay. But it was like a me- a medium one. Not, okay. Not one of the Got it. One, not you know occasionally are kind of like yeah number two at Christmas you know, and we uh, number three at Christmas. You know, um, um that's, that's
0: a big one. Yeah, <laughs> that's the big one. Yeah. Anyway, if you don't, you know, if you don't take time out from the grind of going to work and coming home and going back to work and coming home. You uh, could die of cardiac arrest. That's the uh, theme of the song. And then the second to last track is Grey Day, as you mentioned. So begins another, uh, again, really going th- yeah, going through the weary day, yes. Going through this grind over and over again. But there's Big Piano. I'm wondering if, uh, I meant to write it down. I don't think I did. Mike probably had something to do with the uh, writing of this song because, yeah, he did. Words and Music, Mike Barson. Because it's so piano-dominant, and you can always tell that's, yeah. a, that's I, a hallmark of Mike. The,
1: yeah, I mean, sucks said he wrote it just around, the. From, when we made the first album, we wrote the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But we didn't, uh, we didn't release the song or uh, record the song a couple of years later. But I remember just, it, it went down, it was that minor. Ah. And um, I changed the last note to a major, which gave it a kind of resonance. But, dum, 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 oh. Uh, um, so that uh, you know, it, that was exciting for me. I, I, I really like doing something that kind of works.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
1: makes a difference and you feel it and everyone goes, Oh, you know Yeah. Uh, so
0: that
1: you know, that was, when it was um it the fun to work on the trivia verse to get a real tribute earls, bang <laughs> dong, <laughs> and not like hit them, you know. Again, just you know, not just using the piano but dabbling the piano. And
0: yeah last track is uh, madness is all in the mind this is another chris Foreman song
2: i've never had much cause for worry and i've not got a lot to say you'll never find me in a hurry because i live my life day by day Say that I'm crazy, but I'm not that way I know what I know, and I'll happily show that this is all in the mind Twenty-four hours is all that I care for. I believe that's the only way.
0: Very loungy, very different. When they brought you this song, was it always intended to be played as kind of that last song in a piano bar kind of vibe? Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean there was no depth to it as a pop song. Yeah. You know, it, we couldn't I couldn't get them going on the have pop level. Uh-huh. Or the roxy music pop level or the belly pop music level. You know, it was um, what it was. Yeah. So let's just make it sound cool and um, and not um, dig it
0: out. Know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, very different, but it's great, and it um, you know it sums them up nicely. Um, yeah. Madness is all in the mind. Yeah. Uh, how did Absolutely. they get? Who came up with Nutty Boys? As was that a music press thing? Was that them? Where you know where did no, that nickname think, come from?
1: Uh, I think it was Lee. Probably. oh really yeah nutty, the nutty sound nutty boys the nutty dance uh-huh it's, nut, it's nutty it probably came from kilvin the actually ian theory. oh okay I okay That's because i mean as a gang of kids pre-madness they were totally into kilvin the and, and so was i i mean i come down from liverpool Art college to go and to see and they'd be spraying their name on, on trains and things, mm. you yeah. so, know. You must read the book. I will, I will so, for sure. That, that will explain a lot more than I can about the characters.
0: Okay, I will for sure.
1: I'm just, I was just saying, your father was probably right to sit through from oh. <laughs> because uh, when you read the book you'll understand okay that, you know, that they're youth and what they went to as teenagers
0: i believe it and it's
1: kind of, yeah it's kind of fun
0: but it's how they blended yeah um, so check it out anyway okay okay i will now you uh, i mean you're kind of the uh ex you're the sort of silent Eighth member of the band, or however many it is these days. I mean, I think that you've. Is there an is there an album of madnesses that you didn't produce? There was the scare covers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the Danger to, Man uh, you know, sessions. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Didn't do that, and um, they worked with lots of other producers on and off.
1: And I think Dave Robinson at the time wanted them to try Trevor Horn. Ah. Oh. Um, but, uh it didn't, they, they just didn't take him. So, yeah, we are, you know, I'm part of the family, but yeah.
0: I'm a distance. I'm a relative, you know. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, Clive, you're a legend, and uh, thank you for talking with me again. It is, um, sometimes I, I mean, I'm just a regular guy, but sometimes I sit back and I think, you know what, I've gotten to speak with absolute heroes of mine, like Clive Langer, s and now a second time, and that is mind blowing to me. So thank let's you for taking third, some time.
1: Yeah, listen to a third one. If, got, if there's an album you love or some tracks you love, can you, can you get in touch with them.
0: I'd love it. We could do we could do dexies we could do Elvis, we could do Bush, we could do anything. That would be great. You know, give me a like, give your listeners a break for a second and then and get me back when you need me <laughs> i will we need a break from clive langer right yeah. <laughs> okay sir well look thank you once again you're all the right. best
1: thank you all right.
0: all right there you have it clive langer and madness i'm curious who else out there was introduced to this band by this record like i said it was huge for me opened my mind so big and i'm curious if anyone else in our kind of age range had a similar experience yan was telling me that he bought the shut up single for the very reasons that my dad wouldn't let me buy it because he wanted to hear shut up in a song these guys were huge and i'm so glad we got to talk to clive of all people about them uh, I'm not exactly sure if we're going to do a deep dive next week or not. This ends, I've had a bunch in the can for a while, and this is the end of those, but I have a bunch more being recorded. So we may put out on another one next week. We may do something else. We may not do anything at all. We'll see what our, what our schedules allow, okay? But anyway, we love you guys. We're so grateful, and we are so thankful for Yan for all the hard work he does to put these things together. And thanks once again, Clive. Clive Langer for talking to us twice. We love you all. We'll talk to you later.